0: Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests. Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast brought to you by sportsnot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote.
1: Raider Nation, welcome back and let's go. Another new episode of Just Pod Baby brought to you by SportsNot.com. I am Evan Grote. Glad to have you joining me. Please head over to JustPodBaby.com. Check out the website. Let me know what you think. It was a busy week again for the Raiders. Uh, Certainly a busy week for Dave Ziegler. He continues to build his roster, to build his team. He added some linebackers, a couple of defensive tackles, a former safety with the Patriots. And, you know, things are really starting to come together with this roster, at least on paper. I like some of the things that he's been able to get done, some of the things I don't love, you know. but he is reshaping this roster, this team, and you knew that there was going to be a lot of turnover. There always is when there's a a change in the leadership at the top that comes with it. Uh, We're going to get into a couple of the signings tonight. Uh, I'll post you a question right now. I want you to think about this question, and then towards the end of the segment, we'll uh, discuss it a little further, and I'll get you some of my opinion. Has uh, Dave Ziegler... Done enough in the trenches. Both sides of the ball I'm talking here. Particularly along the offensive line though. And if you follow the show, if you are a listener of the show, you know you know my stance on this going back to last season. I thought it was a major concern going into last season. It proved to be right. I'm not often right. But that was one thing that I, I, I did call correct. The offensive line uh, hampered this team at times. And essentially as it stands right now, It looks like they're going to run it back with the same group of guys. Is that a wise move? That's something I want you to think about right now. We'll talk about it a little bit more uh, at the end of the segment. Also this week, we heard from new wide receiver one, Devontae Adams, as he uh, addressed the media for the first time. We'll also break that down a little bit later on. And this week in segment two, uh, we're going to be joined by two guests. We're going to continue our Get to Know series uh, that we started last week. I promised you this week I'd reach out to a couple other people. Kevin Bowen, radio host in Indianapolis on 107.5 The Fan. He's covered the Colts since 2011. He's going to hop on and give us the lowdown on Rocky Sin. And also Karen Garigian, Patriots beat writer for the Boston Herald. There's a lot of different topics that I, I want to cover with her. Most importantly, I want to ask her a little bit about uh, the new offensive line coach for the Raiders, Carmen Brasillo, who comes over from New England, and a couple other players that the Raiders have signed from New England as well. So it's a jam packed show again this week. I want you to sit back. I want you to relax. Let's dive into it. We're going to begin this week, though, with Devontae Adams. If you had to put a grade or a rating on an introductory press conference, then in my book, Adam gets a 100%. Five stars. It was a clinic. If you have not yet heard it, go out there, Raiders.com, check it out. I thought he was excellent. He shared the stories. About his childhood, uh, growing up as a Raiders fan. And uh, he talked about the photo in his yearbook. I believe he said it was the third grade wearing the Charles Woodson jersey. Uh, He talked about growing up in in Palo Alto and and much of his family being Raider fans. That absolutely hits home for the fan base. They love that kind of stuff, they absolutely eat that stuff up. I I thought, um, I love that he paid respects to his former team and quarterback. Uh, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. I thought that was a classy move by him, and I thought he did an excellent job of explaining the delicate process that he went through following the season, where he was uncertain about his future with Green Bay, and, and he talked about the subtle conversations that he and Derek Carr um, had about the possibility of, of playing together someday. But he, you know, he emphasized the point that he never let that those conversations. And that, you know, dream, I guess you could call it, Uh, he he never let that distract him from his goal in Green Bay, which was to win a Super Bowl. So, you know, I just thought he came off very well, very well-spoken, and I can't help but compare it, you know, to the last time the Raiders traded for a big-time wide receiver. And you know who I'm talking about. I'm not even going to mention his name, and I'm not trying to rehash old news or, or pile on anybody but it's just so refreshing to know that they not only bring in a great player, but a great guy as well. Which, which is, which is, you know, as I get older, uh, you know, that's something that, uh, as a fan, I, I look at more and more and more. Is what kind of person are they bringing in, and those types of things? So uh, that was topic number one to start the show. Number two, I want to get to. Uh, some of the additions that were made this week, and I told you there was many of them. There's a bunch. Three linebackers were added this week. Micah Kaiser, Kyle Fackrell, and Jayon Brown, as well as two defensive tackles, Vernon Butler and Kyle Pecco. And you can throw in there a safety, Duran Harmon, who's a, another former Patriot that is now a Raider. Just some quick thoughts on some of these additions. Lots of depth signings here. I don't think anyone should look at it. Any other way than that. These guys are depth signings. Some will become core special teams players. Uh, I see there's a lot of support out there and a lot of excitement uh, about the Jayon Brown signing. And, and I understand why. He, he He's an intriguing guy. He's done some good things in coverage. But that was a couple of years ago now. We're talking about 2018 and 2019. Uh, he's had the injury brought the bug uh, in both the 2021 and the 2020 seasons. He was limited to 10 games in each of those seasons, and uh, he signed a, a one-year deal, a prove-it deal with Tennessee uh, this past season and obviously didn't didn't show them enough to warrant getting um, you know a second deal with them. Now, Brown is only 26 years old. I don't want to sit here and write off a young player health is obviously going to be a major part of it for him if he can remain healthy and regain some of that form from the 2018- 2019 years and absolutely he'll be a nice find but I expect to see a lot of divine Diablo as that featured coverage linebacker role this year he in limited time last year he he, he showed some things uh you know uh he, he showed that he can he can handle it that for sure I, I think we did get enough sample size there just to, to, to know that he he should be given a bigger opportunity this year. And as for Kyle uh, Fackrell, you know, it's possible he could carve out a role as a rotational guy who can come in and, and rush off the edge every now and then. Uh, he had a really good year in 2018 with green Bay. He finished the year with 10 and sacks and he played in only 59% of the snaps, which is that's as uh, efficient as it gets. Um, but since that time, he's bounced around with a couple of different teams. So, uh, again, I would look at these moves as more of depth signings and a couple of these guys are going to be featured on special teams. Now, moving over to, um, moving up, I should say to defensive tackles. If you have done any research or any digging or listen to any other podcasters out there or, um, uh, you know, people you follow on different sites, of course, Mo Moten is a guy who has talked about this before. Patrick Graham, he loves his defensive tackles big. He wants them tipping the scales at 300 pounds. He wants space eaters, guys that can create pileups, form a wall, and, and and not get pushed around. That's what he wants, and and that's exactly who they have gone out and added. We talked about Billings when he was um, signed a couple weeks ago. He's you know 330, I believe this week they added Vernon Butler. He's also 330, and Kyle Pecco. He's up to about 305. So they bring in some big bodies, but in my opinion. There's still work to be done on the D-line. And and I know you can't just flip the entire roster in one offseason. It's going to take time. It's, it's going to take time for them to totally get the guys in here that they want. But some of the guys they brought in to play tackle, in my opinion, it's underwhelming. That's just my view of it. Now, I was wrong last year on this. I, I was not as high on guys like Solomon Thomas, Darius Phylon. Uh, I, I did think that Quentin Jefferson would, would turn out to be a good player. And, and, and really, all three of them played really well. But looking at a guy like Kyle Pecco, for example, he's been in the league since 2016 and he's barely played. Go look at the numbers. Go on Pro uh, pro Football Reference and take a look at the snaps, the number of games. It's very, very low. So, you know, will he even make the team? That That's... That's what I want to know. Will he even make the 53-man the, the roster? And I know there's a different scheme in place now, and I, I know that Gus Bradley relied on his front four to generate pressure. But as it stands right now, where are you getting a pass rush from outside of Crosby and Jones? I mean, really. They can really bring it, those two. Don't get me wrong. Those two can bring it. And Patrick Graham, he's going to scheme it up more. He'll bring extra guys, but you, do you think Vernon Butler is the answer? He generated nine pressures last year, hasn't had a sack since 2019, so I would pump the brakes a little bit overall on this defense right now. I still think there's a few question marks that need to be answered before I can you know, get a little bit more excited about this group. And then this brings me to my third and final topic before I get to a break. And I posed the question to you at the top of the show. Is Dave Ziegler making a mistake by not doing more to address the offensive line? I think it's a fair question. And I think it's a question that has to be asked right now. It's early. It's March. I get it. But to this point, there has been no one of note added to the group. Yes, Denzel good. He will be back off the ACL injury. They re-signed a couple of their own guys, Jermaine Illuminor, Brandon Parker. And I also know, because you're probably thinking this right now, I know that the offensive line began to play slightly better towards the end of the season. They were able to run the ball with a little bit more efficiency. I understand all of that. So I get it if you're not as concerned. But think about this. You trade for Devontae Adams and you pair him up with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. You sign Demarcus Robinson and Mac Collins. You've got some good running backs. You surround your quarterback who will probably get a very large contract here in the near future. You're going to be paying this guy $35, $40 million a year, your quarterback here. Very, very soon. That's what we all expect anyhow. You darn well better protect that quarterback and give him the time that he needs to get the ball out to all these playmakers. So that's my stance on that. And I bet some of you are also saying this to yourself right now. Well, hold on a minute, Evan. Hold on just one minute. I watched the Bengals last year get to the Super Bowl with Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow was sacked more than any quarterback in the NFL. I get that. And that's true. But ask yourself this. In fact, go look it up and let me know. How often has that been the case where the team, one of the teams reaching the Super Bowl also had the quarterback who was sacked the most times in the NFL? I bet you it's less than two. I mean, it, it cannot be very common. It's just not a recipe for success. So there is still the draft. They don't have a first or second round pick. They'd have to wait to round three. There are still free agents available. But right now, in my eyes, the offensive line could be a liability again in 2022. Now, one final point to keep in mind, there is a new offensive line coach in the mix, Carmen Brasillo. He came over with McDaniels from New England. Only one year experience as the guy, as the offensive line coach. It's something to monitor, Raider Nation. I'm just saying, I don't want to sound negative, but, I, you know, I, I gave you plenty of positive this evening. I got to look at both sides of that coin. So something to monitor. All right, guys, good start to the show. Uh, it's time for us to get to a quick break. And when I return, we're going to chat with Kevin Bowen, 107.5 The Fan in Indianapolis, about new cornerback Rocky Sin. And then Karen Garigian from the Boston Herald. A lot of former Patriot players are coming over uh, to the Raiders, including some of the on-the-coaching staff as well. She will get us a scoop on all of them. All of that coming up straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is Just Pod, baby, part of SportsKnot.com.
0: Welcome back to Just Pod, baby. Run down the field home. Your home for all things Las Vegas Raiders football. Yeah, Raiders. News, views, and guests Just win, baby There's only one nation And they listen here Once a Raider, always a Raider
2: It's a, it's a, it's a dream come true um, In the third grade yearbook I said I wanted to be a, you know, an NFL star Or an NBA star And I was wearing a, a Charles Woodson jersey at the time So it's been documented forever. So, you know, I guess you could say it's meant to be.
1: And welcome back. That was your new wide receiver, one, Devontae Adams, talking to the media for the first time at Raiders headquarters in Henderson, Nevada. And I know you like that, Raider Nation. I know you like hearing that from him. Welcome back to the show, segment two here. What we're going to do now is we're going to go out to the guest line and say hello to Kevin Bowen, radio host in Indianapolis, 107.5, the fan. Kevin has covered the Colts since 2011, so he's on top of everything Colts. He's been a very busy man covering their new quarterback in Indianapolis. I'm talking about Matt Ryan, who you know was traded to the Colts uh, this past week. Uh, So we do appreciate a few minutes, Kevin, and welcome to Just Pod Baby.
0: You bet. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, thanks for helping us out. We do appreciate it. Uh, And what we're trying to do here is is just gain some insight uh, onto the new or into the new Raiders cornerback, uh, Rocky Sin. Uh, Of course, you covered him during his time with the Colts, and and he steps right in now and and fills a major need for the Raiders. And and, and in my opinion, it's a move that is really kind of flown under the radar. Uh, because of all the splash moves that the, the, that the Raiders have made, bringing in Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams, and 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 so we're just trying to get some insight onto him now. Now I know coming into the league, Yasin had only one year experience um, at the FBS level, and, and and many in the scouting world believe that you know if he could clean up uh, some of his technique and some of those areas, you know that he had he had some some big upside. So what can you tell us about uh, y- Yasin's development in his three years with the Colts?
0: You know, it's funny, um, I'm sure it's somewhere out on the internet, um, you can go back and look at the Colts draft call the night they took Rocky scene early in the second round, and you will see um, Chris Ballard, um, and, and just different, you know, people in the organization in that draft room, and the selling point was the character, uh, they are obsessed with this kid's character, I think back to his um, high school days in Georgia, I believe he was a two-time wrestling state champion, yes, yes, I did. Um, and, I did see and, that,
1: I did see that, yep.
0: You know, so, I mean, you got to be tough as hell, first off, to be a wrestler and and to do it at that level. Now, having said that, I think in the NFL, um, you know, finding the balance with this hand fighting has been, you know, a a bit of a challenge. I thought last year was his best year yet in in learning to play a little bit more penalty-free and and things like that. Um, I think he brings really nice length, um, incredible work ethic, like I said. Um, And and I felt like at times some of the penalty stuff and just the general step up in competition – Um, Like you mentioned, you know, hadn't played at a very high level Presbyterian in in college. Um, I did think it was important for him, um, you know, from his temple days and his Presbyterian days just to get used to life in the NFL. And we know what the receiver position looks like on a week in week out basis, especially in the division that he's walking into now. Uh, But I thought last year was a really positive step forward for him. Um, Again, wasn't perfect, but it was definitely a step forward. And uh, that's just a little bit of background on him.
1: Yeah, you know, I want to stay with with what you had to say about his character. Um, You know, I'm interested to get to know a little bit more about him in that area as far as, like, his leadership. Did he take on a leadership role with the Colts? You know, sometimes guys are more vocal and outspoken, and then there's other times there's guys where they kind of let their play uh, do the talking. But what kind of guy are the Raiders getting?
0: Yeah, I'd say quieter, um, but but certainly well-respected and a guy that just kind of goes about his his business. Um, um, So I don't think extremely vocal, uh, but I think a guy that will lead with his actions, certainly. Um, Kenny Moore, a fellow corner, is extremely well-respected as well. Um, So I had to get somebody that um, has kind of rubbed off on him. So, um, yeah, not very vocal. You know, I think it's been a little bit of just kind of getting used to him You know, first off, being kind of a mainstay. You know, he played a ton as a rookie. I want to see he played the most defensive snaps of anybody um, on the team as a rookie. Actually, lost his starting job late in 2020, if I have that right, Um, and then you know became more of a consistent guy last year in the lineup as well as an outside corner
1: yeah you know you mentioned uh some of the, the the playing time that he's been getting I was looking into some of those numbers actually uh and I, I do want to ask you about that according to pro football reference now forty games played out of a possible forty nine um thirteen games in each of the last two seasons with with eight starts in both of those years as well. Um, so it looks like, you know, based on what I'm seeing, he, he's missed nine games over three years. Uh, has there been some injury issues with, with you, Sin? I, I believe there was a stint on the COVID list this past year. Could you could you uh, fill us in on a little bit of that?
0: Yeah, I, boy, I'm trying to rack my brain a little bit. I know he had kind of a freak day of the game type of injury. Um, not a whole lot of detail on it uh, back, I think, early in one of the seasons. Um, I think he had a concussion that knocked him out for a couple of weeks as well. So I don't think it's been like too many, like, you know, nagging hamstring or nagging, you know, ankle or foot, you know, something you'd really worry about for a guy, you know, playing a position like that out on an Island so much change of direction. I, I would say in general, the biggest challenge for him, and you can find some of these articles out there. I know I've definitely written about it is just getting used to um, at the point of attack, how you utilize your hands. Um, I think he's been in position more often than not. But at times in his career, there has been some issues of just maybe a little panic, you know, at that moment of truth. Um, and, again, I thought he was a lot better last year um, in that third season. And, you know, that's the Colts' philosophy. They are, I know everybody preached it, but Chris Brown especially. And when you watch that video of when they drafted him, extremely bullish on character so these guys can reach their potential. Um, so I, I think that's something that, that you – saw a little flash of it last year and why the Colts and clearly the Raiders think that, you know, he's worthy to be thrown into this trade.
1: Uh, We're chatting with Kevin Bowen. You can hear him on 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis. and, And Kevin has covered the Colts since 2011. Glad to have him joining us here. Um, you know, based on some of the research that I've been doing into Yasin, um, you know, one of the areas that he excels is in man-to-man coverage, especially this past season. Pro football focus uh, had him graded out with a 79.4. Um, he wasn't tested a whole lot based on what I'm seeing. 15 attempts, only four completions allowed. That's not too shabby at all. Um, and I'm assuming now, you know, when you look at what has kind of transpired here in the offseason, some of the logic behind the Colts moving on from him um, had to have been the the addition of Gus Bradley. Of course, the Raider fans uh, are, are familiar with Gus Bradley and, and the type of scheme that he likes to run, that cover three, very zone-heavy. So it, it makes sense to move on from a corner who fits best in a man-to-man scheme when you have Gus Bradley coming in with with his zone-heavy scheme. What's your take on that? Do you have any insight under that?
0: Well, I, honestly, I think it was just uh, such a pressing need at edge rusher. I mean, the Colts have not had a guy with Yannick Ngakwe's resume in eons. And um, you guys saw it firsthand. I mean, didn't the Raiders blitz? Uh, you know, I, I don't think any, any team blitz less than the Raiders. Very, very year. little. Yeah. Very, very little. Right. <laughs> uh, I was, was going to say, so what does that mean? You got to get home with your front four. Well, exactly. Matt Crosby ain't an Indy and Chandler Jones ain't an indie. So uh, the, the, they had to make sure that they found somebody. So, uh, they look at it, I think, as we're going to prioritize the edge rusher more than we're going to prioritize corner, and just don't have the luxury that the Raiders do of having other edge rushers. Um, so I thought that was the big thing of it. You know, late in last year, well, I guess it was a flag-happy year, so it would have been a couple of years ago. I thought, you know, teams were really kind of picking on Brock, and I didn't get that sense last year. I, I thought it was a lot less of a hey, we don't want to challenge him as much. So, again, I thought of an important stride. It's a guy that they like, but I cannot stress enough that the Colts have not had a pass rusher, in particular a 26 or 27 year old pass rusher, that's put up annual production like Ngakwe. So that was the reason for the move.
1: Uh, Last one I have for you here, Kevin, before I get you out of here. You know, I'm always paying close attention to cornerbacks and and their willingness to uh, stick their nose in there and, 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 you know, make a tackle against the run and and be physical. When you look at Yasin, you know, he's well built, real physical looking guy. Um, but again, I was digging into some of these numbers and the analytics suggest that he struggles a bit as a tackler. Um, you know, is he willing in that department? You know, could you talk to about him a little bit and run support for a moment?
0: Yeah, zero issue with willing. I mean, I think there has been a couple times in space where, you know, he he maybe just hasn't, I don't know, had enough athleticism or just breaking down and and being in position to make that play. Um, I've noticed it a couple times on the perimeter. You know, he's just so locked into making a play on the ball, he almost forgets about, oh, wow, there is that other element to it as well. So uh, this is a guy that is a very willing tackler. Again, I think his wrestling background plays into that. So um, I don't think there's any worry there, to be honest with you.
1: Absolutely. Great rundown there, uh, Kevin. We appreciate the time, and uh, uh, keep up the great work. Thanks for coming on with me today.
0: You bet, Evan. Thanks for having me, man. All
1: right, nice job there by Kevin Bowen. And I'm sure by now, you know, this trade is a – You know, week and a half out now. I'm sure many of you have gone out there and and dug a little deeper on Rocky Sin. You've probably popped on the film a little bit, getting some of that All-22, trying to do as much research uh, on him as you can to get a little bit more familiar with him. But I hope that you uh, took something away from that interview there with, with Kevin, and I do appreciate his time. We are going to head right back out to the phone lines now. We're going to say hello to Karen Garigian, Patriots beat writer for the Boston Herald. And if you recall, we had Karen on back in February when Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels were first hired. And she's kind enough to join us again, so we thank Karen for her time. And let's jump right into it, Karen. With Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels calling the shots now in Las Vegas, we assumed that there would be some guys, both players and coaches alike, that would follow him out west, uh, join him up with the Raiders. Uh, and that's exactly what we have seen so far. So let's start there. I want to ask you about a couple of the free agent additions, starting with running back uh, Brandon Bolden, who spent nine years with the Patriots, and fullback Jakob uh, Johnson. Uh, he spent the last three seasons with the team. What what were the two main roles for both of those players with those Patriots teams?
2: Well, uh, Brandon was primarily a, a core special teamer he saw regular action on both the return and coverage teams Uh, and again he was a staple of that group and special teams and Bill Belichick uh, it's an important third phase for him and a lot of times uh, in New England you'd see quite a few just special teams specialist Uh, Matthew Slater uh, is one Justin Bethel another I mean that's pretty much their primary role Bolden was like that except he was so valuable uh, to coach Belichick because he could jump into the backfield in a pinch Um, if somebody got hurt uh, somebody got hurt during a game uh, Bolden could step in and th- it would be like a seamless transition. And, you know, he's bailed them out of a few jams in that light. I mean, last season, the prime example, uh, James White, their primary third down back when went down after game three for the whole season and Bolden came in and I think he actually surprised some people with how good he is or how, how capably he was able to replace James White, one of the better third down backs in the game. Um, I mean, before we'd, we'd sort of just see Brandon in spurts, you know, during, you know, if as the need arose. But we literally got to see him in the backfield all season long. And, uh, you know, primarily in the third down back role. And I thought, Uh, He was, I thought he played very well. Um, Again, he wasn't James White, but you know what? He was a a reasonable facsimile, and I think that contributed to the Patriots' success on on the season.
1: Yeah, interesting that uh, a couple of things that you said there. Number one, you talked about, Bill Belichick and, and how much he values uh, special teams as that as that important third phase of the game. That is one mm. thing that uh, we have seen with, with Dave Ziegler. He's brought in a couple guys here in free agency mm. that are specifically for special teams. A guy like Mac Hollins, uh, formerly mm-hmm. of the Dolphins, who was a, a, a really good special teams player. Now you mentioned Brandon Bolden being another one of those guys. So I, I find that interesting to see that influence uh, taking place here. Mm. Uh, With the Raiders, and then you mentioned Bolden, kind of stepping in and getting a larger role. He achieved a career high last season: 41 receptions, uh, yeah, for 405 yards. So yeah, good, good to know that he can step in when his number is called. Now, the last time we spoke, McDaniels has since now filled out his coaching staff, and he brings over some familiar faces. His defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, spent time with New England. His offensive coordinator, Mick Lombardi, was a wide receivers coach last year for the Patriots, and Bo Hardigree is another guy who you know, has some familiarity with that New England system. And I want to ask you about Carmen Brasillo as well, but before we get to him, do you have any information or opinions on Mick Lombardi or or Bo, Bo Hardegree as, as coaches? And I know they're guys who, they're very young guys who weren't there a long time and they didn't have huge roles on the staff, but any insight that you can share with us um, with those two guys?
2: Well, I mean, Hartigree only joined the Patriots staff last year, so he's only with them for one season. And um, but obviously, he worked with Mac Jones, and <laughs> Mac Jones had a pretty good year um, for a rookie. Um, you know, beyond that, given COVID situations and restrictions, uh, we didn't quite have the access to all the coaches that we typically would have. Um, So we never really get to talk to Bo, even on a video call. Um, So, you know, it's tough to say anything, you know, much more about him except, you know, look at Mac Jones. Um, And I know he played a hand in that. I know Josh McDaniels had the biggest hand, Um, you know, but, you know, but Bo Hardigree worked with him as well.
1: Uh Karen Garrigan is joining us on, on Just Pod Baby, longtime Patriots beat writer for the Boston Herald. Uh, I do want to ask you about offensive line coach Carmen uh, Brasillo. Uh, you know, the Raiders offensive line, that is an area where they really struggled last year at times, and they, they dealt with mm-hmm. some injuries. Um and, and to this point, they have not really added anyone of note to the group. So it looks like they're going to be running mm-hmm. it back with, with some of the, the same players from last year's team, mm-hmm. which is a concern. Uh, So he's going to have his his work cut out Mm -hmm. for himself, but what can you tell us about how the Patriots offensive line performed Mm -hmm. under the leadership of uh, Brasillo?
2: Well, uh, the first thing I'll say is that he, he spent time with a man that I consider like one of the best offensive line coaches of all time, Dante Scarnecchia. And any time spent with him, uh, and I'm sure Carmen will tell you that, uh, was very valuable and you, and you learn a lot. Um, But in terms of how the offensive line typically played, I mean, I think more often than not, they were, they played more like a man scheme and sprinkled in some zone, but you know, there was also a lot of, you know, power, power encounter plays uh, that were mixed in. You saw a lot of pulling guards, um so I think you know I think they mix it up but you know this kind of going back to Josh McDaniels um and his philosophy I mean his the the philosophy of the Patriots you know they're a game plan team specific operation meaning week to week they adjust to who they're playing you know some teams are out there and they just go with the offense they have and that's what it's going to look like for 17 weeks. And they go with the defense that they have and that's the way it's going to look for 17 weeks. Or they're going to play it, you know, they're going to play zone all the time or, or, you know, they're going to throw the ball all the time. Well, the Patriots were, have never been like that. They basically, uh, they're kind of chameleon like in that, um, you know, if they're playing against the best uh, run defense in the league, they're not going to try and pound it down your throat. Um, they'll mix it up a lot more, but kind of also if, if you're playing against a bad pass defense, they're going to pass the ball. So they're going to make adjustments and they're going to go with plays that they see have been effective against other defenses and so on and so forth. The one thing, that uh, Josh McDaniels now has that he really hasn't had much of, if at all, in New England is a deep threat with Devontae Adams. And, um, you know, Josh, his offenses have typically been quick, you know, quick drop, quick release type of offense. But I think having Adams for a weapon, will open things up even more for Josh's creativity.
1: Yeah, I'm you know I'm really glad you brought up Josh and and you know some of his strengths and how he's so able to adapt to to different situations. You know, I was thinking about this uh and I was actually looking at some 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 of the uh, offensive rosters that he's had to work with. Now, I know he had Tom Brady and and Rob Gronkowski, right. you know, a couple of Hall of Famers and he had a couple other really good uh, wide receivers and whatnot to work with. But when you look at the makeup of this Raiders offense right now, and I, I know you don't cover the Raiders, but you mentioned Devontae Adams, you know, a, a, arguably one of the top receivers in football. They've got a top mm-hmm. five slot receiver in Hunter Renfro. He had 100 catches last year, over 1,000 yards, a top five tight end in Darren Waller, a couple yeah. of you know pretty good running backs in Jacobs and in Drake. Yep. Um, you know, hey. this has got to be, and I'm interested to get your take on this, um, this has to be as much firepower as McDaniel's has had to work with in a long time, going back to the early part of his, you know, second stint with New England. What's your take on that?
2: I uh, yeah, I would say weapons-wise, it's a, it's a dream offense for Josh to work with. Um, and as I said, the type of plays he can call, the creativity he can have, and you know, I think the fact that they have a, a running game is it'll set up play action for them. And, uh, we didn't talk about Jacob Johnson, but as a fullback, he, you know, he performed his role pretty darn well. I mean, he, he was a good lead back blocker basically, and he'd level people. Um, so, and I, I think Josh likes to implement a fullback on occasion. Um, What he doesn't like to do, I mean, he doesn't like to uh, have it be obvious what they're doing. Like if he has Jakob in the backfield, he doesn't want a defense to say, "Okay, they're running the ball. I mean, Jakob can can catch the ball coming out of the backfield as well. Um, But again, he'll love, you know, keeping defenses guessing and on their toes and the fact that he can have an outside threat that that you know the safeties are going to have to pay attention to, I mean he's going to use Hunter Hen- Hunter Renfro all day long, <laughs> as long and and your tight end as well. So I I think Josh is in heaven with you know the personnel he has there and all the things uh, he's going to be able to do and open things up for Derek Carr in in particular.
1: Again, we're chatting with uh, Karen Garigian, Patriots beat writer with the Boston Herald. And I've got one more here before I get you out of here. Um, Dave Ziegler has been uh, really active in free agency, signing uh, a lot, some high-impact players, Chandler Jones, who I'm sure you remember from you know mm-hmm. your days uh, covering him. He's pulled off two big trades. One, uh, bringing in Rocky Asin, a cornerback from the Colts, and we've we've talked a lot about Devontae Adams. Uh, based mm-hmm. on what you know about uh, Ziegler, are are you at all surprised to see him making such huge huge waves early on in his time as the general manager in Las Vegas?
2: Not at all. You can add Deron Harmon to the list. I think he just signed him <laughs> it was a short time ago. He's another former Patriot safety. Um, I'm not surprised for a couple of reasons. One, um, you know, if, if they just were kind of conservative, I mean, look around the AFC West. If they want to compete and they want to put their, you, you know, foot in the ground right away, they had to make these type of moves to keep up with the chiefs, to keep up with Denver, to keep up with the chargers, um, and it and it sends, I think it sends a positive message that, you know, they're not going to take their time and, you know, kind of gradually grow into improving the team. They're on top of it right from jump. And I think, you know, they're out to prove something, both of them. And, you know, Josh, this is kind of – is. It's his second chance at being a head coach. and You don't get many opportunities. If you flunk two, it's hard to get a third. So I think they're, they're all in on making the Raiders a contender. And I think they couldn't just sit back with all the activity going around uh, in the AFC West.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you 100%. I definitely think when they looked around and saw the landscape within the division that definitely uh expedited <laughs> some things for them. Yeah. And, and I can tell you one thing for certain uh he has the fan base rejuvenated. They're they're really excited. The expe- expectations are are really high right now for this team. So, he's off to a good start. But Karen, we thank you again for for helping us out. We always appreciate your knowledge and insight and and of course your time. Uh so thanks again for being with us.
2: Anytime, Evan. Thanks.
1: All right. That was Karen Garigian. And, and one thing I want to point out here uh, before I say goodnight. Uh, first of all, she gave us a ton of information. Great job by her. But in regards to Carmen Brasillo, the offensive line coach, she made a very good point. I, I mentioned the fact that he lacks experience only one year. But he did learn from one of the best to ever do it. She pointed that out. Dante Skarnakia. Uh, Belichick loves the guy. Begged him to come out of retirement a few years ago. And I think they won a, he was with them when they won their last Super Bowl. But... Uh, So, you know, so he did have a good mentor and a good teacher in Skarnakia. So that should give you a little bit more confidence in him if you are a little bit concerned about the lack of experience like, like I am. But again, big thanks to both of our guests, Kevin Bowen and Karen Garigian. And that does do it for this week, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the show. I appreciate you tuning in. Until the next time, I am Evan Grote. And as always, just win, baby.